Welcome back to the Don't Split Up Horror Podcast. This is episode number 52, and we're talking about Megan. I'm J.R. Foresteros. I'm Amanda Foresteros. I'm Moza Haiti. And I'm Mackenzie Gill. So Megan is the latest James Wan-directed horror film. It dropped in what is otherwise typically an unceremonious time to ditch movies that don't perform well, January. Uh, but last year, Wan had a huge hit with Malignant which went out uh, as a horror film in January and made big money. And he's done it again with Megan, which uh, had an opening weekend around $30 million, which means it's already profitable. And it's on its way to $100 million, I think, as we are recording right now. So, uh, yeah, I want to know before we talk too much about Megan, uh, what is your favorite James Wan horror movie? Mo, do you have one? I feel like you feel like you have one. Thanks, Chair. Appreciate that. Uh, Insidious. Insidious scared the crap out of me. I audibly screamed out loud. The two people I was watching it with both thought it was the other one. And when those two ladies realized it was me, they did not let me live it down for the entire movie. <laughs> Nor should they. So not only embarrassing, but uh, also very frightening. So thanks, Jay. I appreciate that. Yeah, no Good problem. Memory. Amanda, what about you? You got a favorite James Wan? <laughs> I would have to go with The Conjuring, the original. Um, the the whole clap clap that was very scary. Um, possession movies, haunted house, all of that kind of stuff is is deeply creepy to me. Yeah, I uh, you know what I remember about The Conjuring is it takes place in this this big house where the the geography of the house is so important and. One opens the film with this big tracking shot as the family's moving in that weaves all through the house. And it it teaches you how the house is laid out while it also introduces you to all of these family members who are important to the plot. And that, you know, that watching that was where I was like, man, this guy, like this guy really knows what he's doing as a director. He's really smart. Um, I'm gonna go for a throwback though and pick Dead Silence, which is the uh, ventriloquist dummy horror film. Uh, from way back in the day uh, it is amazing came out in 2007 and man that movie is great puppets are scary anyway and dead silence is one of those b movies that's just a whole lot of fun and i think even early on you saw what Juan could do with horror so mac what about you uh i'm going with malignant on this one i thought it was creepy i thought it was gross and selfishly <laughs> mo and i watched this one together and from about 20 minutes in i called that it was a teratoma and mo was like and she didn't shut up the rest of the movie about it is what she wants to say because or till now mo told me aggressively it is absolutely not a teratoma there is no way you're right and when it was it was so great for me <laughs> so, <laughs> so worth it absolutely um and also the the movie was freaky so it was like a double whammy i loved every bit of it and absolutely loved 
it when Mo is wrong and I'm right. So that was made up. I would never take a stand like that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds nothing like you, Mo. Not at all. <laughs> well, uh, Megan is the story of a, an AI real girl doll, basically, right? It's like uh, Mo in the pre-show, you called it the modern day Chucky, which I think is a very fair comparison. In fact, I don't know if y'all saw this, but in the once the trailer for Megan dropped, the film had an official Twitter account. And then there is an actual Chucky TV show being produced right now. So it has a Twitter account. And those two Twitter accounts were feuding with each other in delightful. Oh, I did not ways. see that. So, so yeah, very much right. This is a, a young girl's parents die. She moves in with her aunt who works at a tech company. And the aunt decides to build her this AI doll instead of parenting her. And then things go wrong. So uh, before we get into spoilers, Mac, I got to know, how'd this one hold up to Malignant? <laughs> different they are different um I thought Megan was aggressively mediocre I wasn't blown away by it I thought it was good for what it was uh I didn't really know what to expect walking in as far as quality of film but um I enjoyed watching it again I don't think I'd watch it again but and I wasn't super scared at any point in the movie it was not a scary movie but i enjoyed it overall for the most part i would say i agree i don't think it was aggressively mediocre i think that's an aggressive comment but <laughs> other than that a little campy a little fun um not horror to me but certainly timely with everything going on with ai um so i felt like it was relevant and that holds a certain type of terror, but it's not like I left the theater in, you know, tears or worry, but yeah, enjoyable. Yeah, I would say for me, uh, definitely not nightmare inducing, but I tried after I saw the trailer the first time to not watch it again, because I'm sure many of y'all know that Jared and I see a lot of movies and one of my I have deep disdain for the amount of trailers I used to love trailers I used to be super jazzed about them they'd get me all pumped up for the movie and then I realized that I have a semi-photographic memory and so instead of seeing these trailers over and over and over again all it would do to me is when I would actually get to watch the film I would just be waiting for the next thing in the trailer there were no like real surprises. It was really disappointing to me. So Jared and I actually both are really intentional about either bringing our Kindles or just like not looking at the screen or trying to arrive late to the theater. Uh, we're, we're some of those people where you get in like right before the movie is supposed to start. Uh, so yeah, we have to listen to the Nicole Kidman monologue because AMC, we make movies better, but um I can't do an Australian accent and I won't, I won't dare to try. But anyway, all of that to say, I had seen the trailer once, tried not to see it again. The, the visual of Megan as an AI, deeply creepy. I love that TikTok like blew up with her like weird, bizarre dance thing that she does, which is actually a human girl in real life uh, doing that dance, which I thought was super fun. She's just in a bunch of like prosthetics and stuff. Um, so yeah, so I think that that was really interesting. Chucky definitely scared me when I was a kid and that this felt very akin to that. Um, I don't know. I I would say a scarier uh, film 
that has to do with AI would be Ex Machina. Uh, but I think Ex Machina was also rated like hard R. Uh, and so um, this was just PG-13. So to me, I was a little bit disappointed. I do think Allison Williams is solid. Uh, she t- like did a great slash terrible job of being an entitled white girl uh, in Get Out. And I've enjoyed, and obviously she played uh, a great role at being an aunt that really didn't actually want to be a parent and didn't know how to be a parent to a grieving girl uh, in this movie. Um, and I, I thought it was believable. I thought she did a great job. Uh, I deeply hate how therapists and social workers and CPS workers are portrait case managers, all of that kind of stuff are portrayed in films because I never in like a million years would ever dare say some of the words that their social worker said, uh, even if I was internally judging her parenting styles and those kinds of things. Um, So yeah, I would say overall, not going to watch it again, but I was entertained uh, and wish that it would have been an R rating instead of PG-13, but I do understand it's all about that money. So obviously they needed to make money and a way you can do that is by making it more accessible to more people. This one is PG-13. The high school kids can go without their parents. That's right. I believe Deadpool has taught us differently, but... Uh, again, there is a market for the uh, R-rated horror, obviously, but this this is a very reliable business model, and there are some really scary movies that are PG-13. I will submit as Exhibit A, The Ring, rated PG-13, scariest movie I've ever seen. And as I mentioned in last episode, Jaws is one of my favorite scary movies, and it was rated PG. So just saying, it was back in 1975, so it was a little bit different back in the day. Uh, But you get lots of blood and guts and a little bit of boobies with a PG rating, just saying. Not anymore. It was a little different back then. I'm pretty sure Basic Instinct was only PG-13, so I don't know if that holds up. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. Sweet baby Mac. (laughs) I love Megan. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Uh, I had a blast with it, as did Amanda. He was cackling loudly, like louder than anyone else in the theater when we were watching it. Um, I will say it was more funny than it was scary. So Yes, my friend Matt pointed out that it, you know, in in a PG-13 movie these days, you get one F-bomb and it was deployed perfectly in this movie when uh when the they're at the school play date and the sixth grader boy <laughs> is walking away and his mom's like oh he's just the sweetest thing and then she waves at him and he turns around and he's like f you gladys or whatever her name is <laughs> um his poor ear got stretched further than i realized a human ear could stretch that was horrifying that was, that was that rough was rather large part. ears as really... someone who was in the metal scene who watched a lot of people gauge their ears i know those puppies yeah. can stretch pretty far <laughs> um anyway yeah i loved megan i thought it was super fun um i've shown it to a couple of people since then who also had a blast with it uh i think much in the way of malignant which was goofy beyond all reason and yet if you just kind of let it be what it is it is a blast and that's how megan is i think we're going to get lots of sequels to it and i'm here for them i did think that the actress that played megan was really really good uh her name is amy donald uh and i also do need to issue one quick correction we've been talking about james wan as the director he did not direct megan he produced megan um 
Gerard Johnstone is the one who directed it. And and I say that what made me think of that actually was Mackenzie, you were talking about how markedly different this feels from even Malignant. And I think you can tell. I think that Juan really is a director who is on another level than most. And this this film felt competently directed, but it didn't feel expertly directed in the way Juan uh, is. So uh, anyway, yeah, there's our our overall spoiler-free summary of Megan. Anything anyone wants to add before we dive into spoilers? I want to spoil it. All right, here we go. Let's go for spoilers for Megan, starting right now. Okay, so first of all, Mr. Johnstone has announced that there is, in fact, a much bloodier, higher body count, unrated cut of Megan. Are you going to watch it? Yeah. I would watch it. Definitely. That's a completely different movie. For sure. Yeah. I'm in. Uh, great. Well, Amanda, you were talking about social workers and <laughs> ethics and <laughs> attachment theory and all of that. The film makes a lot out of this, which I actually enjoyed. I actually enjoyed that no one in the movie thinks that this doll is a good idea, except for the aunt who doesn't want to be a parent and the CEO who thinks they're going to make a billion dollars. Like pretty much everyone else at some point is like, are we sure this is a good thing? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was curious just from your professional perspective as a social worker, like what were there moments in this movie where you were just like, oh, here we go. Or, you know, thought something was an even worse idea than was portrayed on the film or anything. I mean, I certainly already shared my like disdain for the portrayal most of the time of like social workers and case managers and counselors and that kind of stuff. Uh, so I was a little disappointed by that. But also, uh, I guess if I were to walk into someone's home and they had uh, a really creepy AI doll that was essentially raising their foster child, I, I probably I'm not great at a poker face. Uh, so I would probably at least my my facial expressions would betray me. But um, I would say that like they at least did some of their homework when it comes to attachment theory and things like that, where they were, you know, trying to explain the importance of human connection and routine and establishing rapport with, you know, your various patients and things like that. Um, so, I mean... There was definitely lingo in there. I wish that it, they could have gone a little bit deeper into it. But also, I mean, there was certainly this this poor child has like deep, complex grief and is not handling it very well and is in the middle of playing on her tablet when her parents are viciously murdered, you know? Well, I guess not murdered. I don't know. They get in a horrific accident, right? With an ice truck or whatever. So um, yeah, not great. Certainly a lot of trauma. Uh, and I would just say that like ethically, there is a big debate, right? Like none of the four of us on this podcast are parents as far as we know, right? And so like there's lots and lots of debates about how much screen time a kid should have and what the benefits are versus the the difficulties. And I know that there's lots of really cool apps that have been created and various shows that have caught on to that and tried to limit screen time and whatnot. But I mean, I've seen my like nieces and nephews turn into literal monsters the second you take a screen away from them. Um, and so there's, a, there's just a lot of kind of social discussion going on about 
when is technology appropriate, when to introduce it, how it's good, how it's bad, all of those different kinds of things. And so I just think that it's, I mean, obviously more complicated than a movie that's like 90-ish minutes is interested in in talking about. Um, and I think it addresses some of those things and causes it to to be quite problematic in some ways. Like even all of the, how, how she turns the Alexa against them or the whatever the... Um, the like smart bulbs and all of those kinds of things that uh, it just makes it a little creepy to know that that AI is always listening as is Google right now as my phone is next to me. So I don't know. <laughs> I agree with you, Amanda. I think obviously the artificial intelligence aspect of this was the in your face part. I don't think they touched enough on the fact that Today, a lot of people do give the tablet to the child because it's an easy like, oh, my God, I need 15 minutes. I just don't have time for you right now. Like if I put this magic device in front of you, you're going to shut up. You're going to watch and I can go about my day and do what I need to focus on. And it does bring up that idea of, you know, what's happening when technology is raising our children instead of us raising our children and having that social interaction, you know, that loving relationship, the extra affection that this child desperately needed after she lost, you know, the two most important people in her life. And then she gets sent to this aunt who's career-minded, you know, hyper-focused on the goals, the deadline. And she sees, you know, this child as a tool almost to her elevation within the company. But then also Megan serves a purpose on a secondary level to where it's like, okay, great. I don't actually have to be that person, you know? Um, and so I thought that was... I agree. In a 90 minute movie, how do you get more of that? How do you showcase more of that? I feel like the AI took over. Yeah, Gemma, the aunt, um, played by Allison Williams, has this really interesting 180 in the movie that I, I was confused by. I didn't think it was earned, where she tells her niece that um, she needs to feel the negative feelings, right? Because the niece says, well, I, I like Megan because Megan helps me not helps me be happy and, and not be sad. And Gemma's like, but you should be sad. <laughs> like, you just experienced this horror. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's the messaging we wanted to get to, right? That things that numb us or that disconnect us are actually bad. And te technology is good when it makes us more connected and more integrated, not when it stymies us. But I just didn't understand where that insight came from, right? In, in, in Gemma. <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa. Okay, maybe that'll be in the director's cut, right? Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious about that. Uh, Mac, what did you, what did you, uh, what, what did you enjoy that was going on in this film? Uh, I mean, <laughs> not a ton. <laughs> <laughs> it's creepy for what it is. I mean, and I think Mo touched on this, right? Like it's, it's at the cusp of what we are capable of of doing uh there's certainly things that are happening in real life today that are probably a lot closer to this than what most people are aware of but so that's creepy um well let's, let's talk about what that. i can think of AI, are the things that right? I, I mean as we are recording this is the week that google launched bard which is its competitor to chat GPT, which is an AI that is meant to simulate real conversation. So it's it's sort of the next level beyond Google search, 
which instead of just giving you a list of links, can actually respond to you conversationally. Uh, and Spoiler alert, it kind of fell flat on its face as it could not correctly do its own Google search. You're talking about Bard, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, share a little bit about that, Mo. So I think the first question they did or what their launch was is, you know, well, it was a tell us about the new telescope or something like that. And the mm -hmm. facts that came back from that were incorrect. And now it has become kind of the laughing stock because they're like, oh, you could have fact checked this with a quick Google search. Um, however, uh, that failure, if you want to call it that, doesn't indicate that AI is not there because look at something like chat GPT or the other services that have come out recently. We were at a restaurant the other day and my cousin brought this up to McKinsey and He's like, yeah, you can write an entire thesis, a paper, whatever you want. Like, you just need to give it a little bit of information. And we were at a seafood restaurant. So Max like, okay, uh, give me a one-page essay on seafood. And it did. And then we tested it a second time to say, okay, is this the paper that you get every time? And 30 seconds later, we had a completely different essay on seafood. And it was legit. I mean, it would have passed in pretty much every single way. It was scary and impressive. And I... If I read correctly recently, I think one of these AI systems passed the bar or something of that nature. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it was the bar specifically, but I mean, like a high level test. I think it was the bar. <laughs> and this AI passed. So it, that's the other horror of this film, which is how close are we to Skynet? Skynet, for those who don't know, Mo, is... Oh, you mean McKinsey. I apologize. Uh, McKinsey Skynet is from a documentary in the 80s called Terminator, where uh, they have this defense system, uh, artificial intelligence, that ultimately deems that humanity is the real uh, mm. issue. And it turns against us and it creates a, a timeless fight between the humans and the machines. That sounds fascinating. It they is. should we'll make a movie. It. They should. We'll watch it. <laughs> Uh, you know, what's interesting about that uh, is that, you know, AI has been a perennial boogeyman for, uh, you know, all kinds of reasons. And, and I, it's the same, you know, a, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron is the same thing, right? We create an AI, we tell it, protect the earth. And then the AI looks around and says, oh, well, the thing that is the most dangerous is people. So I'll just kill all of the people. This is essentially what Megan does, right? She's been charged with protecting Katie, and then ultimately she decides that uh, Gemma is maybe a threat to Katie's health and needs to be eliminated. Um, so so this, is the, this is the ongoing fear that we have with AIs. And what I think is so interesting about it is essentially that we are afraid that our creations will be as flawed as we are. Like what we're actually afraid of is ourselves. Um, and when I, when I was watching Megan, I couldn't help but think of this as a Latter-day Frankenstein story, right? Um, where, you know, you always hear like, well, you know, uh, Frankenstein is actually the name of the doctor. The, the monster is just called Frankenstein's monster. Um, but that's it, right? Like the, 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 in some ways the creators are the monsters. And so you have Gemma who pushes this thing out against her boss's orders, right? Uh, she tests it and builds it without him. And then when he sees what it can do, he's not concerned with safety. He's concerned with dollar signs. Um, there are so many times along the way where Gemma's assistants are saying, hey, we need to slow this thing down. Or, oh my gosh, you didn't put this basic thing like never murder a person. 
right? Like in um iRobot 101. Right. Uh so so I I, I just think that's super interesting. And I wanted to give a shout out to a book that I read a couple of years ago by a woman named SB Divya. It's called Machinehood. And uh she has, I think, what is a probably a more realistic vision of the near future. Uh, where everyone uses what are called weak AIs. So they call them wise or ways, depending on which part of the world you're in, um, W-A-I. And um, the weak AIs are essentially like a souped up Alexa or a souped up Google or Siri or something like that. They maybe have the intelligence of uh, like a dog or a rat, right? And what the book posits is like, well, we have laws about how we treat dogs and rats, right? Like you can... Um, and so are, should there be laws regulating how we treat these machines? And I thought about that in terms of the kid that, uh, which I, I can't remember who he, what his name was in the movie, but the kid, the boy who, when he sees Megan, his first impulse is to be cruel to her, right? To abuse and treat her. Do y'all remember Tickle Me Elmo's? Oh, yeah. Yeah ish <laughs> do you remember i mean this was back this was back before we had things like youtube and google but on like ebaum's world if you're old enough to remember that internet video site there were videos of people who would like burn these tickle me elmos while they were on giggling so they would be like you know flailing and going ha 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 that tickles ha but in the meantime they're like <laughs> engulfed in flames and i read an article back then that said you know, whether whether a robot is sentient or not, um, it actually is damaging for us to treat things that mimic humanity cruelly. So, I mean, obviously, like, this kid was a sociopath, right? And, and he was abusing Megan, and it didn't matter that Megan was just a robot. Like, we understood that this kid was deeply um, messed up. It's true, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, and and I, I don't know, I just think about that a lot when I think about these AI conversations, because I think what I hear all the time is how are robots going to treat us? And there's this, it seems like there's this sense that maybe we're going to get kind of what we deserve. You know, um, like we don't think we deserve to be treated very well based on how we have treated everything. Well, it's just like a collective guilt that we feel. That's why even when I'm talking to like Google or Alexa or whatever, I have one tendency where afterwards I want to say something like, thank you. But then the other <laughs> side of me, especially if they don't listen appropriately, I'm like, you dumb skank. Why are you not understanding me? I'm speaking as plainly as JR is. And yet for some reason, you do not understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. And it is deeply, deeply frustrating. Hypothetical. No, if Siri ever plays a track of how I treat her uh, I'm going straight to jail. So, <laughs> I think, I don't know, I mean, going back to the AI, I, I think the terrifying part is we're seeing it time and time again, again, it, we're creating, again, you know, JR's mentioned there's the levels of AI. You've got the the rats of the pack, although some rats like Templeton were very smart. Um, but 
it's a learning device. So if we give it creative freedom, so to speak, and it does a deep dive on what humanity is, but we've also not put in these parameters or we've given it these black and white, you know, protect, well, when it sees us as the problem, what do you do next? And, you know, I think some of the scary things in the recent past from AI uh, are, you know, the two robots that they had that begin to teach themselves a new language mm -hmm. um, and they had to shut them down. And that was something that they decided to do on their own. They've now got the T-1000. It's a miniature version, but he's created. And they had a liquid jailbreak robot that could, you know, kind of go into a liquid form and then recoalesce, and it jailbroke itself. And so, I mean, even from a war perspective, they predict that the next, you know, war is going to be that of infrastructure where they're shutting down your technology, your internet, you know, your water structure, et cetera. It's not necessarily the nuclear bomb. So if you, again, have this artificial intelligence that can be corrupted by an outside agency, that's terrifying. And this is the world that we're moving further and further into on a daily basis. Our cars now drive themselves. So what if you could just hack that or the artificial intelligence can hack that and stop every single car? They deem that to be an unsafe you know, thing. Um, so I think Megan presents something. And at the end of the show, that's where it segues into, you know, as mentioned at the beginning, there'll probably be endless amounts of sequels. Because what other forms of technology can Megan infiltrate, you know, to preserve herself and to stop us? You know, the robot itself was dead at the end, but the Just home a shell. system. Yeah, exactly. The home system was right back and ready for action. So I don't know. That's horrifying. <laughs> that is genuinely scary the woods. for you, you're saying. Yeah, I'm moving to a cabin in the woods. <laughs> Don't, don't, don't get Batista my address. <laughs> Batista, you can have my address. Big fan. Love to hang. We'll visit outside <laughs> of the cabin. <laughs> um, well, I think that's uh, bringing us to a wrap up for today. Uh, that is our episode on Megan. Our next episode will be on the sure to be smash hit cocaine bear. Uh, we are all i i would say we're all very hyped for this movie i am not oh i am not even a little bit way to kill the buzz <laughs> i i really am not looking forward to this movie and the trailer really set that in stone but we'll see we'll see <laughs> i haven't watched the trailer i think it's on my top three. Oh yeah what? i haven't watched the trailer but i'm fully i'm i'm pumped i'm real excited i will be wearing a t-shirt to that movie that says don't coke the bear <laughs> <laughs> all right well stay tuned for our episode on cocaine bear in the meantime please reach out and let us know what you thought of megan and what you would like to see uh from ai movies in the future uh until then uh thanks for listening and you can find us all over the internet and uh, take care of yourselves out there and of course whatever you do remember don't split up. <laughs>